Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about how to set boundaries. Manda Leet felt like a victim of her own success. The leaders at her company moved her wherever a team was underperforming. She'd become known as someone willing to do whatever was asked of her, a loyal team player, good at her work, and uncomplaining. I experienced Mandalit as smart, action-oriented, and extremely kind. Sometimes her kindness became a liability. She would shy away from advocating for her team or for herself. Now, several months into our coaching... She wanted help with speaking up. She said, I'm not certain, but I have the feeling the leadership team is going to ask me to move again. Wow, I said, they have a lot of faith in you. She nodded and gave a tired smile. They do, but this time I don't want to go. I want to stay with this team. I've really fallen in love with them and the work is great. I'm not ready to leave. I asked, what do you think they'd say if you told them that? Well, that's the problem, Tom. I'm not sure I have the guts to tell them. I think what's going to happen is that they'll ask me to move and I'll be a good girl and say, sure, anything you want, and I'll move and hate myself afterward. I said nothing. I was interested to see where her thoughts would take her. She was silent a long time. And then she looked at me and asked, why can't I speak up? I replied, that's the question I was going to ask you, Mandalit. Why can't you speak up? She said, I guess I'm worried about upsetting them. I don't want them to think I'm ungrateful or not appreciative for everything they've done for me. Okay, I said, so you might upset them. That's one reason you might not tell them what you really want. What else? She said, I don't want to be selfish. They wouldn't ask if there wasn't a need, right? Got it, I said. So if you told them what you want, it would be selfish and upset them. What else? Mm, those are the two biggies, at least for now, she rolled her eyes sadly. All right, I said, that's helpful, and not unusual, Mandalit. A lot of people struggle with this. They do, she asked. They do, I assured her. When I talk about this with people, there's an image I share. Can I share it with you? Sure, she said. The image begins with circles. Every person on the planet is standing inside their own circle. Their circle goes everywhere with them. The circle represents all the things a person is responsible for. So suppose I'm my first job out of college. I'm living with roommates. I'm single. I've got some money to spend. You know, I don't have a whole lot I'm responsible for. So my circle is going to be pretty small. But suppose I'm a single dad with a job. My circle just got a lot bigger. And the same if I'm taking care of a sick parent or if I'm in charge of a project at work. My circle can get bigger and bigger depending on what I'm responsible for. Now, these are my responsibilities. That means I have to take care of them. And to do that, I have to make sure my circle is big enough to fit them all. I need to be sure my circle has space. But... 
everybody else's circle needs space too. So it's not surprising that sometimes my circle bumps up against other people's circles. You know, suppose I'm that young guy just out of college. Suppose I want a party all night long. My circle might butt up against some of my roommate circles. Or if I'm the dad and I need to pick up my kid every day before five, my circle might butt up against my company's circle. She said, or if I want to read quietly, but my husband has the TV up loud. Perfect. Yes, I said. Your circles butt up against each other. And that's not bad, Mandalite. That's life. It's healthy. And it brings us to the next part of the image. Boundaries. Circles have edges where the edge of your circle touches the edge of someone else's circle. That's a boundary. Boundaries are are critical. You can't be a healthy human being without boundaries. If you don't have boundaries, your circle shrinks and shrinks to the size of the head of a pin. That is not a healthy way to live. Every person on the planet deserves a circle they can stand in comfortably, right? And that requires boundaries. When people set a boundary, they protect what's inside their circle. They are taking care of their responsibilities. Boundaries are self-care. Yeah, but usually at someone else's expense, she said. You think, I asked? I do, she said, and I don't want to fight with them about my boundaries. Fight about what, Mandalite? With whom? If they ask me to move and I say no, they don't want to hear no from me. I think they'll be angry with me. I nodded. True, they might. I mean, they might have any number of feelings about you saying no. They might be proud of you. But their feelings, whatever they are, are not in your circle. Their feelings live in their circle. You are not responsible for them. They are. You're responsible for your feelings, but not theirs. She said, oh, I so do not agree. Look, I know when I have upset people, they've told me that I have. How can I not take responsibility for upsetting them? I nodded and said, Oh, I completely understand, Mandalite. I hear people say all the time, Oh, she made me so upset. Or he makes me so intimidated. Yes, I I hear those all the time, but I don't think they're accurate. To me, those statements actually are thinking errors. They're errors because no one has the power to make you anything. I can't make you angry. I can't make you like me. I can't make you quack like a duck. I can try. But I'm not responsible for your actions. I can't make you do anything. She said, but wait, Tom, think about that. If I'm trying to provoke you and you get provoked, how am I not responsible for your feelings? I understand the question. I really do. But here's what I've observed in my life. Let's suppose that you and I are coworkers. You know, I know how to push your buttons. You know how to push mine. Sometimes, yes, you will do something and I will get provoked. But not every time. Sometimes I, you know, barely notice. You might even be trying to provoke me and my reaction might be nothing at all. Are you responsible for my reaction no matter what it is? You know, if I laugh it off, if I'm upset, are you responsible? I don't think so. You're responsible for your feelings and actions, and I'm responsible for mine. Maybe, she said, but that doesn't help me much if I tell them no and they suddenly lose trust in me. 
Mandelite, if you believe they might lose trust in you, that's something we should talk about at some point. But for now, I'd like to stay focused on the first half of your sentence, the half you have some control over, whether or not you tell them. What do you think? Can you imagine yourself telling them you don't want to move? You know what I imagine, she asked? Guilt. A whole big pile of guilt. Ugh. I asked, you would feel guilty because why? Because you set a boundary? Because I'm being selfish, she answered. This is all about me standing inside your imaginary circle and shoving people off. Get off my circle, thank you very much. This is my space. It feels like the height of selfishness. I nodded again and smiled. I have been there, Mandalite. I know exactly what you mean. I didn't want to appear selfish either. And you know what? When I had any boundaries at all, they leaked like sieves. I didn't want to upset people. I wanted to be liked. I didn't mind putting my own needs second. But you know what I learned? My needs count too, just like everyone else's. If I don't take care of my needs, who will? She said, I know this isn't what you mean, but isn't that the very definition of selfish? Oh, I hope not, Mandalita, I said. I'm not putting my needs before anyone else's, or that's not my intention, but I am being intentional about what gets to stay inside my circle. And that means I have to decide where I set my boundaries and how to hold them. She jerked a hand to her heart. Ooh, that makes me cringe just thinking about it. Cringe why, I asked. I would have to ask for what I want. You know, maybe it's turning down the TV. Maybe it's not moving from this team. Telling people what I want makes me anxious. I said, it is completely reasonable you would be anxious, Mandalit. But I'd like to suggest that the anxiousness that you're feeling is actually a good anxiety. It's an anxiety to move towards, not away from. The anxiety is telling you, you are on your growth edge. It's telling you, you're doing something new. Pay attention. She fingered the chain on her neck. Finally, she looked at me and said, how would I get better at this? Do you have homework or something? I said, Mandalite, you've already started the homework. The homework is to teach yourself to look for boundaries. Begin to notice what's been invisible. And if you can spot one, you recognize it as an opportunity for self-care. That's helpful, she said. Okay, I'll try. But then there's something else. What's that, I asked. Suppose I set my boundary. I say, no, I don't want to move. Or, uh, I'd like you to turn down the TV. Suppose I get that out of my mouth. I'm guessing that's not the end of the conversation. What happens next? Ah, I said, step two. You and I have been talking about step one, setting a boundary. What happens after that is step two, holding a boundary. She said, I think I have to learn that. My conversation with Mandalit about holding boundaries is next month's episode of The Look and Sound of Leadership. Learning how to set boundaries was a major step in my own personal journey towards well-being. One shift that helped me was when I began to substitute incremental thinking instead of 
all-or-nothing thinking. You know, all-or-nothing thinking is what I grew up doing. When I was in school, you know, if I didn't get the lead in the play, well, then I was a terrible actor, right? Or later, you know, if my proposal didn't get accepted, I wasn't going to be able to sustain my business, and I was probably stupid, too. Do you recognize that as all-or-nothing thinking? It's a hard way to live, and a lot of us do it. But my life got easier when I could shift my thinking from all-or-nothing to incremental. And I'm talking about moving in increments because of how it connects with this bigger issue of this episode, which is about setting boundaries. When it comes to setting boundaries, it can really help to think of it in terms of increments and not, ugh, I suck at this, right? Imagine we're all on a giant continuum of being able to set healthy boundaries, right? At one end, there's a doormat who wouldn't recognize a boundary if it cut him down the middle. And on the other end is a dragon with these fierce boundaries that keeps everyone away. We all exist somewhere along that continuum in our own abilities to set boundaries. If you want to get better at this, do not be in the all-or-nothing thinking. Don't catastrophize. Picture the continuum. Assess yourself as honestly as you can. Where are you on the continuum? And then assess which way you need to move. You know, do you need a little more dragon or do you need a little more doormat? And once you begin to think that way, there is no more all-or-nothing thinking. Picturing your development in increments allows you to begin practicing to set boundaries like the skill that it is. And by the way... If setting boundaries makes you anxious, you're going to move towards that, right? You're going to come out the other side, and then you'll assess again. This is the self-awareness and self-management cycle that I talk about all the time. You notice, and then you choose. You notice, and then you choose over and over, and that's how you get better. All right, setting boundaries. I want to answer two frequently asked questions about setting boundaries. One question that I hear a lot is, who exactly am I setting boundaries with? To which my answer is, who do you not set boundaries with? Right? You could set boundaries with your boss, your direct reports, your peers. You could be setting boundaries outside of work with your family. You could set boundaries with the parents of your kids' friends. Right? You could certainly be setting boundaries with your kids. The opportunities are everywhere you will set boundaries with everyone. Another question I hear is, what's reasonable, what's fair to put inside my circle? And my answer is, whatever is yours. You get to choose what you protect. I do notice there are a great many people who have trouble putting their own needs inside their own circle. They can advocate for their teams, they can advocate for their kids, but they feel kind of inadequate when it comes to setting boundaries for themselves. If any part of that resonates with you, I want to share a phrase that was incredibly powerful for me, and I used it in passing during the episode, and maybe you noticed it. I first heard this phrase one day in therapy. So, you know, there I was sitting in therapy. I was once again minimizing something that had happened to me, right? I was saying it was no big deal. I was saying, you know, it was really fine with me. Through a series of questions, my therapist got me to understand that it actually wasn't fine with me. 
and it was a big deal. She made a very logical case that I just couldn't deny. I got the idea. And then my therapist looked at me, and she said, with all her love and compassion, she said, your needs count too. Your needs count too. And it penetrated me. Setting boundaries got easier after I saw that taking care of my needs was being responsible, not selfish. Your needs count too. I hope the phrase is helpful. Okay. I want to introduce three specific parts to setting boundaries. I will share them right after this month's gratitude. I'm so grateful for the work I get to do. I'm grateful for the conversations I get to have with people who have such interesting stories to tell. I am really grateful when I'm able to help. Thank you to those of you who have been in touch. It has been great. I love it. To reviewers, thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your support. Thank you for taking time. I'm grateful this month, too. First, from Canada, 80 from Canada. Then from here in the U.S., J-Tribe, Mother of Pugs, Sweet November 118, Todd Thompson. Thank you, Todd, for all your support. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. I am so grateful. Okay, three core parts of setting boundaries. These are three separate ideas that become a really powerful cascade when you put them one after the other. The three core parts of setting boundaries are, one, ask for what you want. Two, state your preference. Three, revisit agreements. I just wonder how your life would change if you were strong in all three of those behaviors. Ask for what you want, tell people your preferences, and revisit your agreements. Personally, I think it sounds like a really powerful way to live. I want to do a quick rundown on each, and I'm going to give you a question for each as a way of helping you practice, okay? So first, ask for what you want. That's the first one. Ask for what you want. Mandalit wanted her husband to turn down the TV. That's a legitimate want. She could ask for what she wants. She also wanted to stay with her current group, right? It's another legitimate want. You can ask for what you want However, I know that many people minimize their own wants. They think about the want, and then they say, oh, no, you know, that's selfish, or that's silly, or it's not kind. Minimizing their own wants gives these people permission to avoid asking for what they want, right? Boundaries are very difficult for this person. The question that can help you ask for what you want is, what do I really want here? What do I really want when I ask my husband to turn down the TV? What I really want is some quiet. It helps me to know that. You know, what do I really want when I ask not to move? What I really want is to remain connected to this group of people that have become very special in my life. It can help to know that. So what would it be like if you asked yourself, what do I really want before you went into your next performance review? Wouldn't that be interesting? Or what would it be like if you asked yourself, what do I really want before you go into your daughter's bedroom when she's upset? What do I really want here? I just think asking yourself that question 
It helps this first core skill for setting boundaries. Ask for what you want. Number two, state your preference. State your preference. In this skill, there is no ask. There's just telling. Not in a bossy way. In a factual way, you say, I prefer to start at 10. This is how I like these to look. I prefer being in person. Things might change after you say something like that, but that's not your goal. Your goal is simply to call out the boundary. I expect you home by 11. Or that language is really upsetting to me. The question you can ask yourself here is, what's important to me about this? Is it important what time he comes home? Yes. So I state my preference. Is the language we use with each other important to me? Yeah. So I state my preference. What's important to me about this? And then you have the bottom of the cascade, revisit agreements. Well, this is accountability, right? It means you have to do two things well. You have to get clear agreements in the first place, right? Did you ask for what you want? Did you state your preference? Do we all agree about what we agreed to? You know, that's some agile boundary setting right there. And then second, you have to revisit the clear agreement. You have to be willing to go back to the person and say, here's what I thought we agreed to, or here's what we agreed to and I'd like to change it. Those might or might not be difficult conversations. I think it takes courage to revisit agreements. And it does mean really you have to be paying attention on the front end. You could be, you know, setting curfew with your kid or managing your team. It is going to be really hard to revisit the agreement if it was mealy to begin with. The question you can ask yourself here is, where do I want my edge to be? You're asking what's inside my circle. Where am I going to stand firm and protect what is mine? And then I'm going to make an agreement about that edge. I'm going to make it safe to talk about, and I'm going to revisit it as often as need to be. Having a safe conversation about boundaries is next month's episode. Between now and then, if you want to dive in a little deeper, please help yourself to the entire library. It's all on the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. It's essentialcom with two M's.com. The library of podcasts sorts lots of different ways. This episode got filed three ways. Assertiveness, managing yourself, and self-talk. Those sound good, don't they, right? There's lots of good things in those categories, including these five individual episodes that might be particularly relevant this month. One is an episode from 2019 called boundaries, where I take a very different approach. And in fact, at one point, I actually throw a little shade at the phrase setting boundaries. Another episode, seven steps to stop emotional hijacks, blind spots, how to grow your self-management, and thinking errors. I hope you heard me use that phrase, thinking errors, in my conversation with Mendelite. Thinking errors are one of the big reasons we don't set boundaries. Check out the episode. It's a good one. Okay. That's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.